podcast. You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your host, Adam Thorne. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. One, go. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the JRE Review for week. What the hell's the date? The 20th? Yeah, um, 420. So it was, yeah, 420 today. Yep. Very nice. Exciting. Are you high right now, George? Hmm? Are you high right now? Definitely, definitely. Oh, you gotta be. <clears throat> 420, come on now. It's a big day. Yeah. Very exciting times. We had some good guests this week on Rogan. Tim Dillon, Chris D'Elia, Tom O'Neill, and Donnell Rawlings. A lot of comedians. And then uh, one interesting author. And that was a deep, deep dive into that Manson story. I thought that was fascinating. Um, Do you want to keep that for the end? What? You want to talk about that one last? Yeah, fuck it. Uh, Talk about that one last. Let's do that. Cool. So, Tim Dillon, podcast 1457. Tim Dillon is a fucking hilarious comedian. I've never seen him live, but all the stuff that I've ever seen him do online is brilliant. He gets in incredible rants. He's very, very funny, and um, it just has great energy on stage, and then makes some hilarious videos on uh, on YouTube. Uh, have you seen any of those, George? I've seen some of the videos. You are very active in the comedy scene. How come you didn't see him ever on stage? I don't know. I just have never gone to the store while he's been there. Um, I don't know if he goes to the comedy store all that much. Uh, I, I'm not really sure. I know I know he's there a bit, but yeah, I just I haven't seen him perform. Um, I think one time actually he was up there, but I went to a different show because they got multiple rooms there. They got three rooms, so uh, I didn't see him that night. But I want to. I mean, I I like the guy. I think he's very funny. He's very talented, and I like his style because he just he goes at the audience too. He's got some great clips on YouTube where he's like basically telling the audience that they're idiots mm-hmm. but then it's also very funny and that's hard to do that's ballsy as fuck so he's yeah he doesn't give a fuck and he's very he was really good on this episode with joe too because he's just he, he's Chuck. just so funny yeah right i mean sometimes comedians go on rogan and they're not that funny i mean you know they're, they're just talking about whatever other thing you know they're not always just trying to make people laugh and and it's almost like he can't help it because he's just a silly guy. So it's a fun podcast all around, um, and, and it's good to have a, a, a good laugh about. What, what was your impression of Tim? Since you're not super familiar with him, what did you think about him on the podcast? I think he definitely has got a bright future to do some comedy movies. He's very intelligent and funny and young. Lots of potential. Yeah, he could probably act too, I would imagine. A lot of, you know... The comedians seem to be able to do that transition pretty good. And he seems like a truly nice guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He was a he was a bit wavery with his facts, though. He was throwing things out and saying they were facts. And Joe was like, how do you know that? How do you know that's a fact? And he's like, I didn't research it, but I know it's a fact. It's like, well, how? So Joe was calling him out a little bit on his knowledge while he was trying to drop some knowledge, which I thought was good. So Jamie was not Googling anything? Uh, I guess not. No, I guess not at all. What gems do you remember? There were many things. It's just I didn't take any notes. I told you I'm not gonna take notes for the show anymore, bro. I'm not gonna stress out. You don't need to. Yeah, but they they talked a few things like about taking the temperature at the airport 
right? So that's like all of these really are starting up with like how are you dealing with coronavirus? That's kind of like you know, it's it's just regular life now. It's almost like whenever you call anybody, even your own friends, like one of the first questions is like how are you getting on with the quarantine or blah 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 or like you know, how's fucking corona life treating you but they were saying that it was a lot of corona nonsense yeah dude let me tell you saying that they they want to check the temperature like your temperature at the airport like that might be a thing that starts happening you know so what if you are within the 12 days that you are actually infected but you don't have any symptoms yeah exactly so they won't know for sure but i guess if your temperature is high then they at least know that you are sick for that day and um i don't know maybe they don't let you fly or they insist that you wear a mask or maybe they sit you in a different part of the plane i don't really know what they would do um but it's it's just a way to like see if you are you know i mean they're gonna have to come up with some new things to deal with this when when it's all over and you know these guys are kind of spitballing but it's like maybe that'll happen yeah what is that thing the only one thing the cell phone tracing the what that's the one thing uh, to trace your cell phone with everyone who you get in contact with as soon as one is detected as infected he's gonna let on a trace all the phones are being tracked when that person is being detected you have coronavirus and the database goes in the back to all the people that this guy has been in contact with the cell phone like cell phone near cell phone in the same location right and he sends a text message hey adam you have been in touch with george who has coronavirus yeah. so stay in shelter they're doing this in south korea right isn't that how they they were able to kind of like minimize their because exactly. they've got pretty low numbers out there they've done yeah but here you have some problems with uh some second amendment fifth amendment some kind of amendment these people are ridiculous i mean you don't see that you live in a in this technological microcomputer age like where are you gonna hide nowhere yeah there is nobody like you left i don't really like that shit though i don't like it like the idea that they can just track everything like that and then send you a text message and tell you who to hang out with you know i know it's safety obviously you don't want to get sick but to me that's just creepy i I really don't like that i didn't like bullets either i like the arrows but i had no choice right yeah and i'm not a hunter yeah in any way (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they, they did talk about how china is hiding their numbers oh for sure and remember they and that's so interesting to me because they were saying through tracking i guess cell phone data or something like we can tell that there's like what was it like 20 million or 2 million <clears throat> cell phones not being used yeah and it, joe did say that maybe some people just got rid of their second line because they have less money that kind of makes sense but also maybe some of these people got sick and they died and they're also building new crematoriums of course you know like quite a lot of them so it's like it's indicated that maybe they're also freaking you know burning a lot of sick people um well not not burning them alive i but, would say the numbers are triple than what they reported you think so yeah yeah probably sneaky over there man but it doesn't make sense that those numbers would have just dropped off as quick as they did. I mean, they were exploding with cases and deaths, and then all of a sudden, nothing, like two or three a day. I'm like, that looks fishy as fuck. Of course. But who knows? It's something that comes natural in the oppressive government, like a communist government like China, where everything is great, so everything is perfect. The fact that they, what you've seen in the videos, how they were going in the street and locking people up and building hospital in three days, doing all that crazy stuff, that shows you the problem was 
big, huge, humongous. Because otherwise, if there would be just oh, some people are dying, it's okay. Some more people just lock them all in the house. No, no, it was a big problem. Mm. In a totalitarian regime. I couldn't tell because I'm not that smart. But these people that are smart, you know, in uh, these micro scientists, they should have been able to say, oh, if China takes these extreme measures, we got to do something. Yeah. Well, it's gonna, it's making people act weird, man. And I mean, there's a lot of fallout. They talked, they told a story about that comedian Sebastian. What's his last name? Man of, man of something Italian shit. I should remember. Anyway, which comedian? But they, com- yeah, Sebastian. Um, shoot, I need to look that up. Oh yeah, yeah, the the Hispanic dude. No, no, he's Italian. Italian. Oh yeah, okay, Italian, Latino. No, he's Italian. Okay. He's not Latino. He's not? He's from, He's like an uh, Italian dude. Yeah, uh, Maniscalco. Sebastian Maniscalco. Okay, he's Italian. I thought he's from South America. He was a guest on Joe Rogan. That means I, I missed that detail. Yeah, he's an excellent comedian. But he's really, really good. And they talked about how, I guess, his cousin has the same name as him. And some dude showed up in masks, like Corona masks, and they broke into his cousin's house. And that story was crazy because, I guess, they broke in. And then uh, Joe was saying that I guess Sebastian's cousin like shot one of the dudes and beat the shit out of the other one because he could fight. But it's like it's pretty scary stuff, you know. Maybe they were going in to rob him. Maybe they thought it was the other Sebastian. He had money. Like makes you think, man. Scary times. Like that would be a fucking crazy thing to happen. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine how terrifying that would be. Unbelievable unbelievable really he talked to obviously they got into comedy right and talking about the clubs like they have no idea when these clubs are going to open and that's so interesting coming from these guys as comedians like they're always traveling they're always touring and now they can't they got to come up with new ideas for traveling joe even suggested that he might do like a residency in la Mm -hmm. where he just performs like instead of traveling all around the country i guess you know what he does is smart because he'd do a show the night before he does a UFC um, at some theater, wherever he is. So, like, if he's in Chicago, he'll do a play. So, like, he goes, I think he does, like, the MGM when he's at, in Vegas for the fights. So th- that kind of works for him because, you know, he's there anyway. So he might as well do something the night before. It's a smart move. But, uh, yeah, he's saying that he might not travel as much with all this. And just do shows here but i mean when the hell are they gonna open when are the comedy clubs gonna open this guy has to modify his prices asap because i think joe's prices are still low already took the howard stern attitude where his agent come to him hey i have a movie would you like to have a role to play uh, the spider-man son no no the agent is always gonna say no his thing is to increase the salary like four folds and then do the residency here with all his comedian friends. The podcast is going to be like the main attraction in, on Sunset Boulevard. He can open his own comedy store at this point. Oh, yeah, Joe could for sure. I'm kind of surprised he hasn't bought the comedy store, to be honest. I think they did sell it, actually, after... It's expensive. Um, the... it's, exp- it's a very expensive property. Yeah, but Joe has tons of money. Do you think he can afford it? Dude, they say Joe makes like $30 million a year just from his podcast. That's a shit ton of money. And he also does his comedy and the UFC. I don't know what the UFC pays him, but I bet they pay him a ton. So, yeah, I'd imagine he could buy it if he wanted to. Maybe he just can't be bothered. It's like a lot of extra work. 
probably too much. Too much. Work. I feel him that he is somehow in love with the far east, right? With what? Somewhere the or with the, <laughs> with the far east, with the uh, with the Bible Belt. He wants to move somewhere in the Bible Belt, dude, with the Bisons. That's what I heard. Joe does. Yes. No, I think he... he said, "Oh man, if I would move to Salt Lake City or somewhere." That's beautiful. There's no people. He was upset about the traffic on 405. He was upset about fires and all that stuff. Yeah, he's kind of worried about being stuck here during like a big earthquake or something. I feel like he doesn't like LA. He wants to move out of LA. He feels like if he moves out of LA, he's going to lose all his friends. Everybody's here. Yeah. Uh, Bort, Kreishner, Chris, Delia, all these guys. And Ari Shafir, all these guys are from here. Yeah, that's probably why he doesn't want to. And in some ways, his work is to... Started up with a comedy store, his podcast. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, he talks about it, but... But, yeah. I mean, they talked about how you'll be wearing... Like, you'll be... Everyone will be wearing their masks in the audience. Which would be kind of funny. I mean, you can laugh with a mask on, obviously. but But it's almost odd because comedians need to read off the audience in some way. And, you know, when you can't really see their faces... You're just seeing their eyes. I wonder if like that would change comedy. It's hard to know. I mean, I don't know. That just seems weird to to like even think about having your audience all wearing masks. But it's gonna be for a couple of months, bro, because it's gonna be the Johnson and Johnson company already has the vaccine. It just needs to be tested and uh, improved a little bit. I I don't know, man. I think I think it's it's gonna take. They're saying like a year and a half of that vaccine. I don't think they can make it in a few months. And after a year and a half, there's not gonna be no masks inside the comedy store. Um, maybe unless it unless it changes, it could mutate, and they may have to then make a new vaccine. It's not gonna be forever. If it's gonna be like this forever, then I I better get a tank. With the oxygen and the just Darth Vader freaking mask, and just pull that on my head, and that's it, done. <laughs> Fresh. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? I'm gonna breed weed. I'm gonna just put a tag of weed. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it's we'll find out. I mean, it's gonna be weird. You know, next up was Chris D'Elia. Same sort of conversation for podcast fourteen fifty eight. So Chris has a new comedy special out. I've seen half of it, uh, but then I fell asleep. It was it's it's funny. It's a lot like his other ones. If you like his style as a comedian, um, you'll like you know, it's if you like him on the podcast, whatever, but you've never seen him do stand up, he's pretty similar kind of all the time with like how silly he is and how he talks and uh he he's a good guest too. He's a good guest. Brian Callen came on a little bit later. They're good friends and they got into it. And George, you had an interesting um, you didn't really know about their dynamic and their friendship. And what did you think? What was your first impression of the podcast when, when they were kind of giving each other shit? Okay, I'm a comedian. You're a comedian, right, Adam? Right. <clears throat> okay, I'm not a com- I'm a film director. I'm, I'm a film director. I'm not a comedian. No, you're a comedian, dude. Forget about it. A bad one, but yeah. There's nothing that we can I can upset you with, Adam, right? Uh, I was thinking the other day, shit, am I texting Adam too much? Like I was listening to one show, I was texting you, hey man, what do you think about this show? And then I was thinking, shit, am I texting him too much? You know, and then, hey Adam, then I make a joke, you know, because I don't know when I'm going to upset you. You know what, let's make the rule where we're brothers, we can shit on each other. We shit on each other and I tell you, oh fuck Adam, uh, you look like, you. how old are you? 
fuck, how old are you in the fucking 60s? Right. You know, the guy's the guy's 52. Yeah, yeah, Brian Callen's 52. He's the same age as Joe. I'm in my 40s, he said on the show. Yeah. He's 52, because I'm 42. I know what the fuck I'm talking 42 is like a fucking big line. When you're 52, what the fuck happened? I'm almost 60. Did you see the Nero at 60? Did you see the Nero at 34? Yeah. Totally different animals. Well, you look a lot older. Delia was shitting on him with this joke. He felt like, okay, we are friends, we are comedians, we shit on each other, but bro, this fucking hurts. You know, you're calling me 52. You're calling me that I'm not young anymore. You want me to show you? You want me to show you how I can perform? Ah, uh, so you, you thought that... You're not on Netflix? You want me to show you how I'm going to do my special on Netflix? Oh, but hold on a second, because it's coronavirus. So there's no more Netflix. Right, so you thought that they were, like, not friends, and then they were actually making fun of each other, and they, they didn't like it. Like, you thought it was kind of like bullying. It's one thing to make fun of. We make fun of each other in a good uh, feeling. Like, I'm having so much fun. I can't wait to see you again next time. You know, we go with our friends, whatever, do some comedy. But we kind of shit on each other, but it was so uh, entertaining. I mean, it wasn't with the mean intention. I felt a little bit of something mean in there. No, they, they, they're good friends. I'm telling you, they're good friends. And they. Yeah. this is just kind of like their, their back and forth. They're always like this. They do it on the Fighter and the Kid podcast. They're always just picking on each other. They've done it on stage. I've seen, I've been at the comedy store when um, Brian Callen is uh, on stage and Chris was like in the audience, like just walking somewhere. And they like started arguing back and forth then, shitting on each other. It's very funny and they're good at it. And they do it just because it makes them laugh. I think Chris is better at it. Chris is like better at picking on brian probably for a few reasons chris is a like a bigger name comedian he sells out bigger spots he makes more money mm-hmm. uh he's also younger so he can make fun of uh brian's age he's bigger than brian so he can make fun of brian's size i mean there's just some funny advantages that he has and, and but brian comes back with some great stuff because he's a hilarious comedian so um they're back and forth on the podcast was excellent. I mean, Chris was really going at him, really going for him. I like Brian Callen. He had once a, a similar altercation with the fighter kid that you're telling me about their show. Yeah, Brendan Sharp. Maybe that's how they became such good friends. Because on the show, on Joe Rogan's show, don't know the episode now, he said something that upset the, the fighter kid. Something like he doesn't have enough experience or he's not that funny. He has to work more. He wasn't encouraging. As a director, myself, I know for a fact that when I'm coming on set, Adam, to me, is the most valuable person as an actor. My footage depends on him. So I need to encourage you. So that was discouraging to the fighter kid. But I guess they figured it out and they became such good friends after that that they uh, launched the fighter and the kid podcast. Yeah. Well, I mean, Joe's kind of honest with his friends. I mean, and Brendan Schaub's very new to comedy, mm. really, and he's done exceptionally well for how new he is. I mean, you, you've got to give him credit for that. I mean, he had a special in, like, two years of doing stand-up. That's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's kind of mixed reviews on, like, whether 
people think it was good. And Joe even said that he thought it was too soon to do a special, but Brendan's ambitious and he fucking went for it. And you got to give him credit. And, you know, he's just being honest. He's like, look, you're new. You got to practice a lot. I mean, it, it, it helps to get honest feedback, especially in comedy, because stand up's very difficult. And if you're, if you're just feeding and bullshit, like, no, you're great, you're really good, and they're not, then how the fuck are they going to figure that out? So, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's, it's good advice. He's a tough dude. He can take it. You know, I don't think he would have got too upset from that. I doubt. Brian tells his, uh, his shit story, which is hilarious. And you can watch the video of that. It was actually filmed by a buddy of mine, Dan Doty. It was the first time, I think, that Joe had gone hunting. And uh, Joe and Brian went, like, maybe deer hunting with rifles. I don't know. And uh, Brian Brian tells tells his story. Sometime, I guess, he, like, had to take a shit in his, on his lawn. And his wife saw it. it it's it's an hilarious uh, little video. So definitely check that out if you haven't seen it on Instagram. I mean, sorry, YouTube. I guess you could just... You could probably just put in Brian Callen hunting or shits himself. I don't know. But uh, it's it's very funny, and that's a that's a great story for sure. Um, and then they talked about shitting themselves for a long time on that podcast. I thought that was kind of, I don't know, it was kind of funny, but it was a bit odd. Yeah, it was it was definitely weird. That's why when you asked me before the show which one, I would say that this is number one for what we were doing today because it was so weird. Like in the beginning, it was Chris D'Elia's show. The guy was talking like, wow, and some, I met Eminem. Can I tell you my Eminem story really, really quick? Uh, okay, go ahead. And we listen to that and we move on. And then this guy comes in. So it becomes like a Stanley Kubrick episode. Uh, what's the uh, name of that film? The Vietnam film. Which one? The Vietnam. Apocalypse Now? No. Uh, Wait, which film? Kubrick. A Vietnam film with, with Stanley Kubrick. It, it begins, the opening credits shapes all the guys heads uh, what the fuck i'm gonna google this yeah stanley kubrick kubrick full metal jacket full metal jacket is it yeah half of the film is with the soldiers and then the other half yeah like, is on a vietnam two different totally different movies in one that's right it's like boot camp and then that's the chris delia and the brian kellen episode yeah kind of kind of was so i was entertained. it was it, it got it got a little busy in there but it sometimes does when he has multiple guests in a room um it's a little busy they do that with the fight companion podcast when they're watching the fights and you know he has all his buddies in there and they're all drinking it gets uh the back and forth gets a little confusing definitely uh those ones are kind of easier to watch on youtube i think than than listening just kind of that way i would probably have a totally different opinion than watching it these guys were shitting each other so much, even though maybe they were, they're just such a good actors that they were just acting and excellent friends. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was good. It was good. The The shit talking was quite kind of funny, but it, it, it was a lot. It was a lot of the podcast. Not really. For sure. Funny as surprising. Let's put it that way. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I discovered that Chris D'Elia wants to be to do action movies. Like now we're waiting for him to get an offer as the son of Iron Man. Yeah, he said he just did an action movie, right? It's going to come out. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. is getting gold. That's kind of interesting. So now he's going to need the son of the mask. That's better. The son of the mask. Right. With Jim Carrey's old and he gives the to Chris D'Elia the, the mask. I see. I see. 
Yeah, it'd be interesting to see him in action movies, like if he's being serious. Superhero often. Oh well, yeah, he probably he could do like a good superhero movie where he's funny. Exactly. You know, like a Deadpool style. I think he could do that quite well. Yep. What did you think about when they said movie theaters are done? Like they might like some of them are going out of business already. They named a few that had like the theater chains. Uh-huh. What do you think about that as a as a filmmaker yourself? What's your take on that? The movie theater, they were moving towards relaxed atmosphere. Like now they were having movie theaters where you can order a whole lunch. Just sit there and eat with the entire family. Yeah. Like forget about p- paying attention to the film. You just basically came there to have dinner. Going to the cinema was kind of outdated. Look at Netflix. Look at all these streaming services. Because this is what's happening right now. And people having such humongous TVs in their homes. I have to remember when I was a kid, I had like a little black and white TV. It was horrible. So when I was going to the cinema, which I was living just by the cinema. So I was stepping out of the house, going inside that that cinema, even though there were rats under the chairs. But man, when I was seeing that color screen, huge, different, different experience. Wait, what? You said there were rats under the chairs? When I was a kid, it was still like a communist age. The tickets, they were really cheap. The, all the cinemas, they were uh, owned by the government. There were, there were rats on uh, in a cinema. Because when you turn, off, oh my God. you turn off the lights, they come out too and they're just going around. Maybe they find a popcorn or something. Oh my, dude, that's crazy. Yeah, it happened. That's wild. Yeah, I don't think I'd want to go to a theater that rats. Oh, man, I had a subscription for that theater. <laughs> Shit. It was amazing. Oh, man. What what city was that in? In Bucharest. Oh, yeah? It's called Cinema Gloria. Oh. Very nice place, man. Very nice place. And in between the shows, myself and a couple of friends, they had to open the side doors and do the cleaning. And we were just sneaking inside and hiding behind the chairs and hiding then jump on a stage and hide behind the screen. The screen is made of little holes. When you were behind the screen, you could see the women cleaning, right. but they, they couldn't see you. So then we were j- just waiting for the movie to begin, something with Kung Fu, Bruce Lee, or John Wayne, or something like that. Because on the communist stage, you wouldn't see anything that would show you the contemporary society. Like, look how the Americans live. They drink Coca-Cola, and they eat hamburger and these things. No, you show these things like Star Wars, no problem showing Star Wars. Like, what is this, like Darth Vader and lasers that doesn't exist? It's science fiction. Uh, stories, like anything, cowboys, to show, look how these Americans, they shoot each other. Or you could show extra violent films, something that would have no connection with American society. We would jump out of the stage and sit on a chair. Sometimes you, we would get caught. Oh, that's cool. So you'd hide. Yeah, I used to sneak into the movie theater quite a lot, too. It was fun. As a kid, that was fun to do. I mean, you know, and it wasn't even all, like, even to just save the money, though that's good. It was because it was fun. It was a playground. Yeah. It was this whole week of the same film. So I was watching the same film, like, eight times. It was just insane. Wow. So the- Like, I would, I would know. It was a guy, dude, there were some series, some movie series, uh, Italian. It's, it was with Terence Hill. And another guy is character named Piedone. Dude, if you Google this Terence Hill and Piedone and you watch these two guys, they made a series of films. Every, any film that you can imagine, these guys did. I would know from some films when he was uh, going up the stairs. Oh, look, next scene is going to go up the stairs like because he was like jumping two stairs at a time. You know what I mean? 
So then I was trying, let me see if I can to do like this guy, Piedone, to uh, go up two steps at a time. Huh. That's interesting. I th I'd never heard of that, that in like the communist place they couldn't show American life. So they wouldn't show like like a um, Die Hard? No. Because that would just show like regular American life, but with action. You couldn't watch a movie like that? <coughs> no. Die Hard and Die Hard came... Uh, the revolution was in 1989. Right. And Die Hard came actually. I think that that was the time when Die Hard came out. Around that time. I see. So so when you after the revolution did they did they go back and show older movies that they couldn't show before? Oh yeah. Or, or did they just show new ones? It's like America. It's a society like this, communist. Oh, I gotcha. I'm in power. I'm, I'm in power, and you're the family. So. I'm going to call you to the police station and I'm going to tell you, look, uh, sign here. If you hear anybody in a neighborhood, in your block, in your area, that they talk against the leader, Donald Trump, or, or the government party, you come here and tell us. Okay. Because if you don't, then we're going to arrest you based on your signature right here that you are a conspirator. You understand? I got you. So then you would go home and you would think, what the fuck is going on? Because you wouldn't know which neighbors, which, you know, they would tell on each other. And then after the 1989 December, they killed the woman and the guy. The guy had only three grades and he was running the country for 45 years. And they shot him and the little communists took over the power and they called themselves capitalist Democrats. And they just start stealing. The same in Russia is the same thing with Putin. And in Romania, is the same, basically same exact system. Is an organized, intelligent mafia. So these are mafiosi with degrees. They go to college. They are smart. They just take the assets of the country and they put themselves CEOs and whatever. And the economy and the majority of the people, they're going to be poor. I gotcha. Even though you're free. And then you're going to go next four years, you're going to vote. Who am I going to vote this time? The same assholes. Yeah, no good. No good. Well, you know, hopefully hopefully it's better now. At least at least there's no rats in the theaters anymore, right? No, no, because nobody would come and it's just someone else is coming and buying the the theater. That's it. I got I got you. I got you. All right. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that for the freaking Crystalia one. Let's talk about Donald Donnell Rawlings. Podcast fourteen sixty. Donnell is an hilarious guy, super high energy. Um, he was on the Chappelle show. That's probably how people know him the best, I would imagine. Um, but good stand up. I I haven't seen him live either, but uh, I've seen a lot of his footage and and uh, his stand up, and and he's very good. What did you, what was your impression of Donnell? I was impressed that he started the podcast. That he has his own podcast. Yeah, he has his own podcast. Yeah, I've never heard that. I, I haven't listened to it yet. But he's he's a funny dude. He's got a lot of energy. He had he has his own coronavirus mask that he talked about. He had a candle that had like they they talked about a weird ingredient in it that was like from a sperm whale. I think what this shit was that called? I'm trying to remember. It's a sperm vomit. It was sperm, yeah, sperm whale vomit, yeah, Am ambergis, ambergis, or something, I can't remember what it was called, but yeah, it's like a strange compound. The truffle. Yeah, the truffle thing. 
How the hell they get Some that? Some bullshit, I don't know. dude. I I bet it smells like shit. It's just that black ice. You can find it in any gas station or the dollar store. You buy for a dollar, you buy five of those. Yeah, what was the idea behind that? He he just made a candle that smelled like a car air freshener. That seems odd. It was a candle, right? Was it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know. That I guess just smells. That's his product. Smells like whatever. But yeah, they were getting they were getting high as fuck on that podcast too. That's see how I raised my voice. I was telling you, I have to be better on this show. Not heal, just speak normal like a person. My God. Oh, you're doing fine, bro. Don't worry about it. <sighs> All good. You're just getting excited. So, yeah, of course, I get excited. Well, you know, podcast life. It's a very nice thing, and I it's love right. this podcast. And I can't thank you enough for having me on the show. You got it, brother. So yeah, Donnell. Rawlings, I like him, man, and he was in one of the greatest shows out there, The Wire. Don't forget that. Oh, is that right? I never saw The Wire. I need to. Maybe on lockdown, maybe on Corona lockdown, I'll watch it. I heard that show is very good. Is that right? Phenomenal, and I am on the same boat with you. I have never watched it. Everyone, but every single person is telling me good things about it. I'll check it out. I'll check it out for sure. They talk a bit about universal healthcare on this, like... And they kind of get into it, not so much the politics of it, but just the fact that it's like, you know, it's something that Joe believes in. Uh, He thinks that we should have it. I mean, Joe's a pretty liberal guy. um, And and as he says, and this is an example of that. And he's saying it makes sense because he gave a good example. It was like with the fire department, they're putting out the fire, not just because the house that's on fire is protect, you know, it's like it's all covered. So the fire department puts out any fires, but it's also so the house next door doesn't burn down. And in the same way, with universal healthcare, if someone's sick and they don't get treated, and it's a very contagious um, disease like corona, then they're going to get other people sick. So the idea of having good universal healthcare is that everyone can go not only get tested, but they can get treatment, and it's you know everyone's kind of in the same boat. I think that's a really good example, and idea for for universal healthcare like it's a it's very reasonable in that sense like because it's it's not just you then it's like right you've got good healthcare, but if all the people around you that can't afford it are getting sick they're going to get you sick of course so that it's like a, a chain reaction but dude you know it's bad it's obvious but i'm gonna put it to you a different way I'm get I'm getting sick because okay. i feel like man i i didn't go to the hospital in 15 years myself I feel healthy, I'm fine, I smoke some weed, I go, but I feel like, man, now 42, I can feel my back hurts a little bit, my, what the fuck is this? Getting older, I'm getting to the hospital, and they say, okay, you have this problem, it's gonna cost this much. First of all, how can you put the value on any illness that my body has? To me, that's invaluable, that is mine, that is yours, that is our friend, that is Donald Trump. Donald Trump's hand to fix it, someone breaks his hand, whatever, he broke his hand, is invaluable. You can put a value. Oh, to fix his hand, it was $10,000. He's got insurance for I don't know how much. When Adam broke his hand, the insurance, uh, it was only deductible less, and so he has to pay 20000 So something like that. You understand what I mean? It's not fair. Because you, yeah. your hand is not different than Donald Trump's. So you can put a value on these things. So it only makes sense that a government that looks for the health of its people, if you want to be racist and don't think for the entire world, you want to think just for your little fucking country, because I would do it for the world. All the population of the world pays to the 
whatever Bitcoin, whatever the fuck it is, fund, PayPal fund Elon Musk, everyone is insured. But not everyone from this country, everyone in the fucking world. Make sure they don't die, they don't get Ebola. Like every life is as valuable as the next guy. Why don't you think like that? All you have to do is give everyone cell phones. Wait, what are you saying? You give everyone cell phones? Yeah, to track them. To make sure they're alive, they're well, they're good. If they have a problem, you take them to the hospital. Isn't that normal? Well, along that same line, they t- on that podcast, they talked about getting um, a chip put in your arm. Like some company is having their employees have a chip. Maybe I'm going to be with a cell phone. I said, bro, can't you just track me by the cell phone? Because I have this fucking thing always in my fucking pocket. Well, yeah, but... Just track this thing because I'm not, I'm not going to put the chip right now. Okay, I'm going to wait. You put the chip first. Let me see you with the chip five, six years. You know how it functions that you need to do the cangren or some fucking skin blew up. You know what I mean? And then I'm going to put the chip. I wonder if they, uh, if that's going to be a thing that will happen in the future. Like if chips will be required. You know, because it could have all your medical data on. Like if you get in a car accident or something. And then and they could scan it. And then they can see your blood type. And How far in the future are you looking? I don't know. How far in the future? 20 years. Man, it might be 200. It could give you data. Do you mind if it's 200 years? Two, okay. Well, never doesn't matter 200 years it can be 2000 what if a computer becomes so small that is as small as a human cell okay or a human whatever the fuck is the smallest thing in your body everything in your body is basically all these little computers connected to each other in some freaking network right now you're immortal you're gonna be adam like how old are you now 36 maybe you can be like this as long as you want or you can make yourself younger. You can just switch with the button. Yeah, I, I don't know if I want to live forever. That sounds like a nightmare. So now, if you have a, an implant, just one implant, or you are made of implants, maybe you are, and you don't even know about it. Maybe I am what? Made all of implants. Remember that guy that he had on the show, very nice guy. The chances are like more than 50% that is a... Um, computer simulation right generate anything computer anything technology you can go into these dimensions i gotcha yeah so what are you saying you are for the chip or you don't like Um, the idea i think it's inevitable yeah i think it is too probably maybe a lot of chips like um, some um, guys they're gonna have full computerized hand like the terminator but just the hand because the guy he blew his hand in iraq or somewhere exactly android hand like terminator yeah like i wouldn't be surprised to see that and that the guy's hand can do like he's very strong guy you know he can break like a tree or something with that hand yeah that'd be badass depends what the chip i'd like that and now you want to tell me that that guy is not in in his expensive hand that he paid probably three four thousand euro on it he doesn't have a gps just in case someone steals his hand. Right. So everything is being tracked as far as technology. I have four credit cards in my wallet. I have IDs, passports. I'm worried always, oh, look, my passport is in a drawer. Okay, nobody, I didn't lose it. Like, what the fuck do I have to think about that? Can't you just scan my face or, so you, I can just be identified? It would, be, it would make my life easier. Yeah, like have your passport on your chip. Whatever. And I guess people could steal your identity that way too. 
in China right now, people are being identified by the, their faces. It's all, China is ahead of everyone with uh, tracking and identification. Facial recognition? Yeah, and they have a credit. So if you are, for example, from somewhere from the countryside in China and you want to go to Shanghai, you can't because your credit is too low. So you got to work your way up become whatever, do something, do some work, and say, okay, is it the communist party? You're very good. You joined the party? Yes. Okay, come on. Uh, your credit goes up, and you go. You can travel. That's kind of fucked up. Borders inside borders. So you got to grow up, like in a corporation, to get to the top. Yeah. Once, So once you get to the top, you can go also back to the bottom, because your facial recognition is even uh, on the streets, and when you cross on red, you jaywalk, then your credit is going to go down. Even if your battery on a phone is low, your cre- that affects your credit. Your credit goes down. I get it. I get oh, it. You don't really care about keeping your phone charged. Kind of irresponsible. Maybe you should move back to the countryside. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So don't tell me it's not going to happen here. Well, back to the podcast, though. What did you understand why Donnell did not like Charlemagne? You're surprising me with this because I I didn't get that. But I heard something like they got he kept going like he kind of opened up about it because Joe wanted to show him something on Instagram that was like about Charlemagne, uh, something he posted. Seems like those guys. Yeah, he's like he doesn't like him. So Charlemagne is is um, like a radio dude, and uh, he has. Um, Andrew Schultz does like a radio show with him. Andrew's a, a great comedian. He's been on Rogan a few times, and uh, it, it's you know it's funny. So I guess Donnell has gone on, and they they like give each other shit, but not in the fun way like Crystalie and Brendan. I mean uh, Brian Callen, but more like they actually don't like each other. But I could I didn't really I almost couldn't tell if he was joking about not liking him or not. I was hey. like, is this a joke? Or do they actually, does Donnell actually dislike him? I I was kind of missing it. That guy is a radio dude, is really talented and seasoned. Uh, They're fine with each other. As we were speaking, and I was thinking about Delia and uh, Callum. Probably, yeah. You have the same, yeah. It's the same. Probably. I couldn't couldn't really tell uh, with that at all. They, They did talk a minute about one of my favorite MMA fighters. I mean, to say that he is... It's just that he's such a freak athlete. But they were talking about Herschel Walker. So if you guys listening are um, MMA fans or you just want to see a freak athlete. So he was a, I think he was a football player and he was like a sprinter. I think even on the bobsled team or something. But like he's just a freak of nature when it comes to athletic performance. And he went into MMA real late in his life. And and they talk about on the podcast like how jacked he was at like forty nine. Like he, he he did he looked like a freaking thirty year old that's super jacked. I mean the dude was incredible. And he like to be a good MMA fighter in a cage and win and I mean it takes a lot of years of dedication and skill, almost like a lifetime of it. And he'd had a background in MMA, but I mean what he did was unbelievable and and if you're a fan of mma and you're not familiar with his fights uh definitely worth watching some youtube videos about that dude i mean he's he's fascinating he's kind of like a almost like a bo jackson type freak athlete in a sense not to that caliber but 
still incredible. And um, yeah, some of his fights are unbelievable. I remember watching his debut when it, when he came to the ring. And usually, when it's somebody's very first like fight at that level, they they oftentimes, especially when they're learning later in life, they they're more clunky in there. They they don't have as well rounded skills all over. But he did, man. He was doing everything like good takedowns, Muay Thai boxing submission game i mean ground and pound i mean he was ridiculous and and it, badass so i love that they brought that up because uh i'm just a big fan of his i like him a lot i think he's excellent very very good did the mma got you into joe rogan or you decided to become a comedian and you found joe rogan uh i i mean probably i think that i didn't know that joe was a comedian when I first started to see him on um, the UFC. So I got into the UFC in like 2005. And that was like the Chuck Liddell, Tito, or was it Chuck Liddell, Tito age? I think it was about then. Their fights and Randy was around. GSP was fighting then. Um, and it just some great fighters, you know. So the sport was really starting to take off and blow up and it was right after the Forrest Griffin Stefan Bonner uh, ultimate fighter season ending fight that was just legendary that really kind of blew up the UFC big time Fantastic. and people started to watch it so that's when I remember a lot of people talking about it and that's when I got into it and obviously he's on there uh -huh. and you know he's just a great commentator he always has been and he, and he was so good for he's excellent for that sport because if you're new to that sport you didn't know what a lot of the moves were or what they were trying to do it's not just like watching boxing where they're just like walking into each other and punching you know there was like complex things happening and joe would explain like how it works so it was an interesting like he was very important for that sport and that's why um you know i think that that's why people became such big fans of him and it was kind of shortly after that he started doing the podcast then i knew more about him being a comedian and uh, once I moved to LA, you could just you can just go to the comedy store and watch him. To me, I mean, he's he's always up there performing. <coughs> yeah. So sorry, man. I have some weed. <laughs> you coughing it up? Well, it's four twenty, man. Four twenty. They did talk about how the yeah. how if China had been more honest with catching the coronavirus, like talking about it to other countries and and all the rest of it, they could have reduce the deaths by like 90 percent or something which is really interesting and i i don't know if that kind of data coming out is like i don't know if it's really fair to kind of say it because like nobody had ever seen this before so to kind of put that on them is a bit harsh but shit it did come from there i guess they just couldn't like they weren't to know that it was going to spread through the whole world though but um anything that, you would say negative about the communist party that would be bad for them and for you and for everybody else. So that should be halved or or eliminated if possible completely. You never heard about this. Yeah, so that's probably why they they did it that way. But you know, they they got to wake up because you can't you can't do shit like that. They couldn't stop the videos of the people. I'm not talking about the fake videos. I'm talking about the real videos when they were on the streets with the fucking disinfectant hoses. Yeah spraying the world i was looking at the images and said what the fuck are they spraying everything like the entire world 
Like, just pray, just fucking... Yeah. Just make it rain with the acid. Yeah, not really. So, but, yeah, they need to be more... I mean, countries have to be more transparent about this stuff because otherwise it's going to spread real fast and get crazy. Anyway, let's finish up with the Tom O'Neill one. I think this was my favorite. That's podcast 1459. Tom O'Neill wrote a book about the Manson family and like the CIA and this thing called MK Ultra, which is like government mind control experiments. So many details. Do what? That is a TV show, bro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be. Could be a long series. I'm really interested actually with the book. I mean, Joe's loving it. They said miniseries, but I would say longer than miniseries because this guy's first book is just the first season or two seasons. And then after... He wants to write another one so you can keep going. What was the book called? Do you remember? Chaos and... MK, if you Google this book, it's going to be MK Ultra and the Manson assassinations. What did you think of the idea of these mind control experiments? It sounds so fucked up that they could like implant memories in people. And I just said assassinations. So I tend to believe that this was an experiment gone wrong. Right. These people involved, they're all psychopaths. That's why it makes such a great show. Do you think that they still do experiments like this? They must do, right? They just don't talk about it? You see uh, all these TV shows and series on Netflix that they now... Um, they are like remakes from the 70s, 80s, where you don't have cell phones. This thing with technology changed the world completely different. In 2020, you are now living in the future. Make no mistake computers and the fact that you have a gps in your cell phone and you have cameras and it's filming everything like everybody's freaking filming everything it, that changed the game in a espionage so they're not doing mind control what are you saying it's not that this was an experiment like people don't people still don't understand how the brain works on some documentaries uh, you can google a brain helmet there is a helmet that it, uh, I put it on your head and I can control you fucking like, like a freaking puppet. I have to Google that. After this podcast, I'm going to send you the video. All right. Have to. All right. I thought it was nuts how, how I didn't know that, that the, this like whole kind of conspiracy around Manson existed. I just thought he was like a, a psycho dude that had, you know, this harem of women and they just took drugs and went and murdered people. And to to hear that he was part of all this, and then the they would like let him out of jail, so he, he kept getting off, getting in trouble, and um, the the idea that they could have implanted these thoughts so he could get these women to do this stuff. I mean, it's really nefarious, and it's all to like take down the hippies and make the hippies look like they're terrible for society. Like I think that one is just just a, like a metaphor. It doesn't go that far, but it stops kind of around there. What I really believe it is, it is murder. You still have Charles Manson and these girls that they murder these people. Right. You're discovering through this series, this book, this TV show that Amazon is going to do a TV show, not miniseries. It has to be TV show. This long TV show, you discover that there are other guilty people involved. And not one, two, three more psychopaths. And they're also murderers because they are somehow involved into this conspiracy through this MK Ultra and LSD 
research and testing on people and testing behavior and controlling people. Because remember, they were in the 70s and they could do this, they could hide. In this day and age, I find it very difficult to hide something like this, to have a conspiracy of this nature. The Julian Assange types out there, this guy is like the homosexual dude that he changed himself into a lady. Right. Those guys, they're going to spit secrets. So you're saying that they would know, like, that we would know about it because the whistleblowers would have yeah. been able to, like, kind of show it, right? They, they would they would just know. They would find out, and then they could tell people that this was happening. But I guess back then, you know, they didn't have that information, and they could do this, like, crazy shit. Like, this is why it took that dude so long. What It, it took him, like, almost 20 years to write this book. You know what also they did right here in Los Angeles? What? How do you make, I'll make you like to not have children. How am I going to say this? To not have children? A vasectomy? Yes, but for women, dude. Oh, get their tubes tied. All the Hispanic women, they cut the eggs. So they're not going to make children anymore, bro. True conspiracy in the hospitals. As soon as a Hispanic lady would enter the hospital, it would come out of the hospital, she would never be able to make children. So there will be less Hispanic people in Los Angeles. Really? That happened in 1950s, 1960s, right here in America. No shit. Yes. I did not know that. But yeah, I mean, shit like that's been going on, right? Yeah. If you have cell phones and if you have this information, how Facebook and everybody's connected right now, like you and me were doing podcasts, come on, dude. We wouldn't be able to do that in the 60s. It would be five radio stations, all of them. Right. We wouldn't have this radio station and all these people listening to us. Maybe. I mean, but, but who knows? Maybe they just do different types of shit now. It's like they got to adjust. You know, they're definitely up to a bunch of covert stuff. Still. The quality of the writing, the screenplay writing is so low right now. Oh, a Netflix TV show again from the 70s or something that happens in the 60s or something that happens in the 80s. Ah, oh, give me a freaking break, man. Just do me 2030. Do me... 2020, do me right now, with the cell phone and everything. I get you. I get you. Yeah, I mean, the whole story was just crazy. Like this, that whole podcast was so interesting. It's almost like the, the Tom O'Neill. It's like you need to almost sit and listen to that one again. It was just so much information, so much cover up, so much, so many bad people doing fucking awful things, corrupt prosecutors, and many many lawsuits. And I really do hope this guy not only writes another book, but comes on the podcast again, because I liked him. I thought he was super interesting, and he told a great story. Um, but it, it, almost just to like get into that whole discussion again, I mean, it was, it was kind of unbelievable. And I, I don't even think he expected to find out as much shit as he did when he started working on that project. No, he did not. This is the type of guy that is so conscious on the projects and when he takes a project, he's just gonna execute it correctly. Yeah. A real investigative reporter and storyteller of extreme quality. Yeah, I thought he was great. That's what I'm gonna say. I really hope that, and to finish up with this, I really hope that he does get so you will have this project, dude, and he would work on it. And he discovered more and more. And he said he worked 20 years. It became so big. It's like, I, I feel like I, if I would make a movie and it's so big, I have all this footage and I start, it's not finished. I don't know who's, my, the music is not done. Nothing is done. And I'm afraid I'm going to die. 
Because if I'm gonna die, this is not, I'm not gonna finish this. Yeah. So this is this is like a living a nightmare. When Joe told him, dude, you feel like you just gave birth to a baby, is it? Yeah. I do. That's it. That's what happened. Yeah. And when say you do another one, I can, I can do another one. You know, I have everything I have. You know, he's got everything. I bet he's gonna. He can finish it faster if a studio like Amazon, because they said Amazon bought the rights. If they pump the money into this, give him the writers, 10, 12 writers at the table, then the TV show is going to get done. Yeah, I hope they do. I mean, they really need to do a TV show for this because it's so complex. Yes. I mean, it could go on for seasons. Who knows? If they did like a mini series, I mean, if they, they gave him like 10 episodes, each episode's like an hour, you can fit a lot in that time. But somebody needs to do it justice, I think. And it would be it would be fascinating to just get that story out for sure. I mean, writing a book is great, but not everybody's going to sit and, and read a book. But um, it would be it would be a, an, a, an amazing thing for Amazon Prime to have that show and for people to just be able to watch it and learn this kind of information because it's just shocking. I mean, this, like I said, this was my favorite one of the week. And, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it too. It's really fascinating. Well, George, thank you so much for being on today. I appreciate it. Let me just say this, and I promise I, I end it because I know you wanna you wanna end it, and you want you wanna let these people go. I got you, brother. You have to make a TV show, Amazon, for guys like me. I read books when I was a kid. Now I can't read anymore. I read, but I don't have time to read so much. I want to see a TV show like Break. You're a fan of Breaking Bad, Adam, right? Yeah. I want to see all the characters. I want to see these girls, the murderers their stories like when they were little girls i want to take me from there take me with charles manson when he was a little boy and then went all the way with the nazi thing in his forehead that uh, dying in jail he's dead now right yeah he's dead yeah so i want to see the whole tv show and i want to that's going to be the amazon prime video hit of the year like it's just going to be as big as freaking breaking bad yeah i think it'd be a big show for sure I agree. I'm with you, brother. It's so big that you can fail big. That's awesome. Well, thank you, and thanks, everyone, for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and this week's Rogans. All right. Cheers, guys. Thank you for having me. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. Little nuggets, treasures, valuable pieces of gold in the Joe Rogan Experience podcast and pass them on to you, perhaps expand a little bit. We are not associated with Joe Rogan in any way. Think of us as the talking dead to Joe's walking dead.